0: The celebration is on in Baton Rouge. Woo-hoo. Think of all the greats: Shack, Augustus, Maravich. It's Angel Reese, Alexis Morris, Jasmine Carson, Kim Mulkey. You finally get the ring, LSU. Shock and awe title and tonight yukon san diego state the one thing that will decide that championship I and one thing. more
1: thing the howard university bison what if i to told you one? what 10, 10, has the power 10, to 10, see 10, 10, the, 10, 10, 10, the future 10, 10, 10, 10. noah
0: 16 will be the one pablo, but cannot no. harness that power pablo
1: i can explain no you don't no. need to
0: explain. explain this is hilarious How? this is cloud car
1: How?
0: unbelievable power How? you have to Make the prediction, but not land the prediction. Yes,
2: we're serving punishment
0: for two weeks after my vacation. We're not going to start with taunting versus celebrating. That's not fair to this game, which again was shock and awe. LSU put up 102 points in a national title game. If you say a team takes on the personality of its coach, well, Angel Reese. The dominant double-doubles, Alexis Morris, the cold-blooded finisher. Jasmine Carson's heat check in the first half. But it's Kim Mulkey in two years unleashing a shimmering champion in LSU. Here's Iowa's Lisa Bluter there. She thought the refereeing in the game was frustrating. Maybe a few moments where officiating took this game in a different path. Bowl outs for Iowa, technical on Caitlin Clark, but we're here. For LSU 102, Iowa 85, Courtney Cronin, around the horn to you, how did this happen?
3: The officiating what's being talked about today, Tony, but I don't want to give the officials credit for why LSU was able to win this game and put up the most points ever in a women's college basketball championship. They did it because they were lights out from three, 11 of 17 as a team. Seven of those made three-pointers came from the bench, mm. and you think about Jasmine Carson, the player you just mentioned, who had zero combined points the last three games, goes in and has 21 points in the first half alone, and she did it because Amy. Andrew Reese was in foul trouble. That's the issue that we're all taking away from this game. You don't ever want to see the stars on the bench. And frankly, the officials got in their own way way too many times here, and it didn't just affect LSU in moments. Caitlin Clark looked rattled out there. The Iowa Hawkeyes looked rattled when she got in foul Mm -hmm. trouble, and they were never able to recover.
4: Justin Timsley, how did
0: this happen? LSU 102 in the title game.
4: Yeah, the refs better be lucky that Carson had that first half that she did, and obviously we'll we'll talk about Angel Reese and everything uh, everything that she had in that game, but LSU took took this game personally because they've taken this entire season personally. (laughs) Yes, Caitlin Clark was part of that, but they had to hear the talk about, oh, you have a weak non-conference schedule. They were ranked 16th going into the season. Are they built for this stage? So, yes, if it looked like they took that game personally yesterday, it's because they did. They shot 54% from the field, 65% from three. That's how you get 102 points in a national title game. They had had five players in double figures for the seventh time this season, but it was for the first time since November 26th. This is a team that has had a me against the world mentality all season, and now it's them on top of the world.
0: Pablo Torres, returned to you. I just noticed only minus 45. That's, that's not cutting it. I mean, there are 68 okay. teams in the tournament. You're going to be at minus 68. All right. Now, on the result from last night, LSU 102, yeah. Iowa 85. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, look, Tony, um, Jasmine Carson banking in that three mm. before the half. It it said everything, right? Like on some level, this team's bench turning into Caitlin Clark themselves, LSU's bench, was, was the story here. They had three players who scored 20 points besides Angel Reese, who didn't even crack that number. It was incredible. The depth that they had, Iowa did not match it. Iowa got out-physicaled, out-rebounded. And, yes, when you add on the fact that the holographic Kim Mulkey was all over the court, by the way, a sixth player totally uncalled. All right, well, let's talk about that then. Should that have been a
0: technical foul? You saw the Caitlin Clark. T for
1: rolling the ball. Yes, Mm -hmm. for rolling the ball. Tony, the whole thing about, first off, the rolling the ball thing, Iowa had cut the lead to seven, and it was in the 20s, and suddenly that all stopped because of the stoppage and also LSU's greatness. So that was a problem. But the fact that you're not going to then call it the other way when Kim Mulkey is literally being moved physically out of the way by the referee because she's on the court. It's just weird to have so tight a whistle but so loose of one when the coach is violating all of the most obvious ways that a coach can violate. The and Bill Plaschke, your takeaway?
2: It was terrible officiating, the worst I've ever seen, but it didn't affect the game. I mean, Angel Reese sat the whole second quarter. So, I mean, LSU got hurt as, as much as Iowa got hurt. It was unbelievable. LSU, the, uh, Pablo was saying they're, they're a 16 or Justin was saying that. That's the lowest seed. That's the lowest preseason ranking ever to win an NCAA tournament. The number three seed was tied for the lowest seed ever in an NCAA tournament. This just came out of nowhere. It was tremendous. And the depth, 30-8, to 8, the bench outscored Iowa. There was their depth. They had – and let's give credit to Kim Mulkey. I don't particularly like her as a coach. I, there's things she's done that I'm not, I don't approve of or don't agree with. But she can coach. She can get the best out of her players. I mean, it was amazing. I appreciate you starting there because, hello, the game
0: is the thing, to borrow a phrase. But now we turn our attention to the celebration after and the taunting versus celebrating conversation that happened as the clock wound down. It's at the free throw line here. Angel Reese looks to be trying to get Clark's attention to do the you can't see me, John Cena hand in the face that Clark did previously in the tournament. Here's Clark doing it earlier in the tournament versus Louisville. Then it's the final 12 seconds as the LSU team slowly start to celebrate with each other on the other side of the floor. Reese going back to Clark following her around, still giving the you can't see me and then pointing to the ring that is the ring that will be on her finger now that she is a national champion. Here is Reese about it after the game in multiple instances.
4: All year I was critiqued about who I was. I'm too hood, I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, Y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that
2: look like me, that's gonna speak up on what they they believe in. It's unapologetically
0: you. The fallout from this has been sizable, the intersection of how players celebrate and ideas of sportsmanship and respect and projections of what's classless and what's allowable for who and when and gender dynamics, racial dynamics, culture and generational dynamics at all. Bill. Having said all that, how did you see it played out in real time?
2: Watching the game with my daughter, MC, we saw it in real time, and we leaped off the couch and screamed. I mean, we've never seen anything like that before. I've never seen any kind of – that kind of taunting after a championship game in the wake of a championship celebration. And you know what? I loved it. It was, it was Angel Reese being Angel Reese. Caitlin Clark did the same thing. She did the same. She's taunted the Louisville player. She taunted South Carolina. You know, flick the wrist, told him to go ahead and shoot the ball. She's just, you know, if you can dish it out, you got to be able to take it. Mm-hmm. And, so you and,
0: see and those as the vision. same. Both Clark doing it in yeah. previous games against a different team and Reese doing it in this
1: moment.
2: Absolutely. Okay. And I Pablo see that you in here? 20 year old just celebrating.
1: Well, look, I think a couple of things are true here. Number one, it's not the same as Caitlin Clark in terms of the magnitude and the moment, right? Caitlin Clark is an inveterate trash talker. I love her for it. I said as much very publicly before this game. Angel Reese, though, did it twice, maybe even three times as conspicuously as theatrically. And I think the point, Tony, that's also true here is that you don't have to like it. I think she's very clearly trolling people, and that's part of the prov- the provocation of the entire Enterprise with Angel Reese. But the question is whether you would want her to ever change. And the answer to that is absolutely no. Tony, watch Caitlyn Clark in those videos. Watch her not responding. Watch her seemingly in her mind resolving to get revenge next year. That revenge that hasn't even happened yet is why I'm already so excited for next season, for the season after that. This a blood feud. We need more mm-hmm. blood feuds. We got it thanks to mm-hmm. that exact interaction. The the specific
0: gesture with 12 seconds remaining as the team is stepping away to go celebrate and Reese is still doing it to Clark. How did you see it, Tinsley?
4: Man. Pablo kind of hit the nail on the head. We should be talking about this next great rivalry that it, that that is being formed with these two because that was fun. That was one of the most fun championship, championship games I've watched in a long time. But instead, this has ballooned into a much much larger, darker conversation. This is this is about who feels comfortable with who. And while oftentimes, a lot of times in these conversations, women are at the bottom of those totem poles, in particular black women. So I think I think about conversations like Angela Bassett in the Oscars, Don Staley's recent comments after that Final Four loss. Like we understand that race plays a role in all of these discussions. We could see the the vitriol and the backlash to Angel Reese because of this. You know, never mind the fact that she was doing the same things that Caitlin Clark did, but she, she was doing it in a much more demonstrative tone. I have no problem with what Caitlin Clark was doing. I loved it. I think it's great for college basketball, and I hope she continues to do it. But Angel Reese, who said she was sticking up for those South Carolina players, she was doing the same thing, and I have no problem with that. Did you find that interesting? It wasn't necessarily
0: that Clark did it to Reese. It was that she was sticking up for a conference opponent that had – did you find that interesting, revealing in some sort of way? Is this another example? Because we talk about athletes all the time inventing grudges, and she has plenty – to to be motivated for. But, like, say Travis Kelsey at the Super Bowl, when he said nobody felt the – and everybody laughed at him. And in this case, everyone's noticing Reese.
4: Yeah, I mean, it it did shock me. to like, oh, well, you disrespected somebody within – my uh my conference i'm gonna stick up for him but again i think a lot of this boils down to social dynamics as well they did not like the way that it, it caitlin clark was taunting uh, uh, uh the south carolina players many of whom were black on there i don't think it, it, it i don't think it had anything to do with race but they didn't like the optics of that and they told you before the game that caitlin clark was not going to do to them what she did to sc and they made it personal See, i find the
0: that one also interesting it, it was that taunting when you say go ahead take a shot versus celebrating uh, at mid-court with the team. And then then what we saw from Angel Reese there, Courtney Cronin, I'll bring you in here because you had some interesting comments as we sat down about the gender dynamics.
3: Yeah, I'm going to zoom out here and look at this thing in totality. Some people, Tony, are uncomfortable seeing women flex the same way that we see men do it with their bravado and their machismo. And you have to take a look at what the men's game, college basketball, the NBA, any sport, what it is built on. It's built on one-upsmanship. Um, one take a look at Allen Iverson, who was heralded as an icon for stepping over Ty Lue. Steph Curry doing the shimmy, and then in the 2018 Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals, Chris Paul hitting a three over. Curry doing a shimmy in his face as well. Nobody was up in arms about that, but because women are supposed to be the ones as quiet competitors, the the art of sportsmanship, taking the high road, we get criticized for doing the same thing that we allow in the men's arena. So I have an issue with that in the grand scheme of things, whether it's Caitlin Clark, whether it's Angel Reese. You can't be gatekeeping celebrations anymore. Let women celebrate the way that they want to. And frankly, I'm okay with all of it because in the end, these are this is the highest level of competition in the women's college basketball game. There's going to be emotions involved because if people didn't have emotions involved in it, we'd say, oh, mm. it just doesn't matter to them. It clearly matters to both players a lot.
0: Go Plashke after the
2: horn. I've been in the media 40 years and I gotta be honest, especially women's basketball, players who look like Caitlin Clark are covered differently than players who look like Angel Reese. They just are. Caitlin Clark is considered a gamer and tough. Angel Reese is considered dirty. It's just wrong and it's wrong. Angel Reese is calling out the media on it. Don Santa Claus, the media on it. Good for them. Corey, last word
1: but also look at how Caitlin Clark herself responded. She did not seem as hurt, nearly as hurt as everybody else who tried to paternalistically defend her, which is a recurring theme now in this tournament. You don't need a baby these women. They can handle themselves just fine.
5: It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast
1: is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the Heineken River Deck at Pier Seventeen we're
0: about four hours from opening tip of a national title game but i cannot stop looking at lamont butler's foot one millimeter from the line wow i mean what are we talking about here florida atlantic san diego state was an instant classic it was an important game for both those two schools and where college basketball is going as, as we soar towards a parity we never thought was possible. But before we get to tonight, please, just a little bit more on the fifth game-winning buzzer beater in Final Four history. Bill Plasky, where does it rank all-time for you?
2: Well, Tony it's the only buzzer beater in Final Four history uh, by a trailing team. So it's the only one that actually won, won a game by a trailing team. The only thing that was missing was Jay Wright on the sidelines going boom. <laughs> this was the third best buzzer beater in my, in my lifetime, I think. Lorenzo Charles in 83. Chris Jenkins in 2016, and then this Both one. of those
0: previous two decided the championship. This was to get to the championship. Courtney Cronin, yes. where does this one rank?
3: It's up there with Christian Leitner's shot that sent Duke to the Final Four mm. in 1992. Okay. Lamont Butler was terrifically defended, and you got to think about what happened. They could have called a timeout after bringing the ball across Mm half-court, but San Diego State head coach Brian Dutcher said he didn't have any more plays to call, so he just put his trust (laughs) in Lamont (laughs) Butler, and the rest is history.
0: Justin Tinsley.
4: Yeah, I'm still going Villanova in 2016 as my favorite buzzer beater, but that was damn sure the prettiest one. The elevation, the flick of the wrist, the ball didn't even touch the rim, nothing but the bottom of the net. That was a...
1: work of art. Pablo Torre. No, that's why it has to be number one. I mean, Bill pointed it out. This is the only one. Tony, if he misses it, they're out. It's the only shot that's been like this in the final four. And the only Mm. knock against it is that it was so clinical. He was calm. There was no desperation. There was no chaos. It was not a drawn up play, but it felt like it. The only reason to knock it is because it looked easy. That's the only knock against this shot.
0: Can I give a ma a, a for like uh, Tinsley just did to the technical team directing and cameras mm. to have the camera show and then zoom in one millimeter, one millimeter from the line. Incredible. Oh. All right, let's dive into tonight now. UConn San Diego State for the championship. That's an impossible wow of a sentence both of these teams 60 to 1 to win it all going into the season but now for as dominant as UConn has been the last five games and how dominant have they been the most dominant in the history of the tournament the confidence and drama SDSU has brought is real so Courtney Cronin who and what you got
3: I have UConn tonight. As you mentioned, they are in the midst of one of the best tournament runs in the men's game of all time, beating five opponents by an average of 20.6 points. And they don't keep things close. And Adama Sonogo, when you take a look at how well San Diego State has defended the perimeter, they're a little bit weaker inside. So you let Sonogo capitalize on some matchups there. I think UConn walks away with a win on Monday. Justin
0: Tinsley.
4: Yeah, I feel like everybody's going to pick UConn for good good reason. They're they're dominant down low. They have great shooters. But if this tournament has taught us anything, Mm -hmm. we may be in for one more ride. That's what I'm hoping for. So if you're in Houston, go to the nearest Buffalo Wild Wings and hit that button. We need a good game tonight.
0: Pablo, Torrey, there's another button you're more associated with on this
1: show, but minus 57. Give me your best 70 points here. Tony, (laughs) look. Like San Diego State, I'm being set up to fail. UConn has played 16 opponents outside of the Big East this year. They've oh. beaten all of them by double digits, okay? When they leave their conference, they are unbeatable. They have become, by the way, Goliath in a tournament that desperately needed it given all of the upsets, which are I may or may not have foreseen in my original. No, this is, the more, no you have,
0: cannot take credit for any of this. Phil Flash how about you?
1: <laughs> in
2: the last week, UConn has taken, taken the, two of the top five offensive teams in the country and held them to the worst games ever. The defense is is incredible. They have four NBA players yeah. on offense. This San
0: Diego State plays some defense as well. San Diego yeah. State plays some defense blowout. as well.
4: Best team in the country. Best defensive team.
0: Pablo, what are you working
1: on here? Oh, oh, oh www.pablo.show. Is that what I'm holding it up? Oh, oh, wow. Oh, Ooh, oh yeah. Really ah, there,
0: we there we go. go.
1: Huh. Pablo.
5: I, Good picks on this. I side. love
0: how you take it so well when you're at minus 64 um, and we'll, we will let you stay there Courtney Cronin thank you for today Bill Plasky, Justin Tinsley that's going to be our showdown in two minutes
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
5: What a loaded
0: show today and now a loaded showdown. Bucks wire to wire over Philly yesterday. Giannis 33, 14, 6, Embiid 28, 9, and 5. Last week's ESPN straw poll for MVP had Embiid 1, Jokic 2, Giannis 3. After last night's game, Drew Holiday rallying for the family, saying it's voter fatigue for Giannis. He's been MVP too much. It gets boring. Bill, is Giannis experiencing voter fatigue for you?
2: Total voter fatigue. I was watching him the other night, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's still great. It's like I've seen him so long, so much you get numb to it. He's the best player on the best team in the league. He deserves the MVP.
4: Mm-hmm. Justin Tinsley. Giannis is... Giannis is on pace to be just the fifth player to average 30, 10, and five four season. He's averaging more points this this season than his Maybe previous MVP. two MVP mm-hmm. years. The fact the fact that he cannot be reward- rewarded because people are bored with him is crazy. Jokic did win the last two MVPs, so there
0: could be voter well, I'm fatigue. Two too. Too MVPs. And Giannis he could have voter fatigue, and MB would have the reverse of voter fatigue. I'm just fatigued, period. Yes, Bill. <laughs> 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 we'll move on. Showdown two. This play from Monaco. It's Victor Wemanyama. It's ludicrous, right? To miss a step back three, but get your own rebound. Throw it down in a put back dunk. That is a 19-year-old doing it who's seven foot five. What's the word for that, Justin?
4: The word isn't tanking. The word is submarining. That's what you do for this. You can't even do this on NBA 2 k Like i I'm still at a loss for words for this. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Bill Plasky.
2: That's a whim jam. A whim jam. There, gem. you Walk answered the
4: question, Plasky. You actually <laughs> yeah,
0: came question up with a I the question. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this is going to be a global takeover in about <laughs> six months from now when he gets here. Can't wait. Bill Plasky, you answered the question, you win the FaceTime.
2: The pitch, clock is a, the pitch clock is the best thing to happen in baseball since the invention of the bubblegum. I was at two games this weekend and it's a revelation. They've cut 25 minutes off the games. They're fast-paced. There's no more batters walking around trying to adjust their gloves. No more pitchers staring, staring into space. First inning lasted five minutes in one game. One inning lasted four minutes. It moves, it moves, it moves. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. They keeps the players on their toes. The players, don't, a lot of them don't like it right now, but they'll, they'll adjust to it, and it's so much better for the fans. It's the first time baseball's done something to forget the comfort of the players for the comfort of the fans. It works, it's great, and plus on that, I can make deadlines. Yay me!
0: Go <laughs> Plasky, today's champion. That's going to do it, folks. Thanks for coming around. We're on a 23-and-a-half-hour break. Pablo, you are shameless. <laughs>